from the Mercy One Studio. Man Up, brought to you by Construction Professionals, a program dedicated to inspiring and helping men live lives of heroic virtue. Join Joe Stopulus every Monday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. And now, it's time to Man Up. Welcome to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. We are broadcasting from the Mercy One studio, heard on 1150 AM, 88.5 FM, 94.5 FM, around the globe, streaming online, your iPhones everywhere. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. I am Joe Stopulus. This week, I have on a good friend of mine, Isaiah McGee, and actually for the next two weeks after this three-part episode uh, discussing race relations in America and what we can do to help. Let's start in a word of prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, let me sow love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there's doubt, faith. Where there's despair, hope. Where there's darkness, light. And where there's sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, as to be loved as to love. For it is giving in that we receive, and it is pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. To be understood as to understand. I thought that line uh, especially pertinent. To this conversation that we're all having right now, all across the country, uh, all of us from different walks of life, different backgrounds, uh, but we're all affected by it. Uh, the conversation of race in America, one that has, uh, quite frankly, been here since the beginning of the country, the founding of the country, and quite frankly, all around the world for as long as, as time has been around. But quite frankly, we here in America have a very special relationship uh, just because of our, our past history with racism in this country. And obviously, it's coming to a, a head here. Uh, in all walks of life. So I wanted to have on a friend of mine, Isaiah McGee, uh, to discuss just quite race relations, quite frankly, um, what we can do uh, as men in society, what we can do in our positions, wherever we are. Um, I want to hear about his background, share a bit about mine, uh, and then again, kind of figure out what can we do to work towards a common cause? What can we do? I think all of us see the stuff on TV and we're saying, you know, I, I want to help. How can I help? Uh, so hopefully over the course of these next three episodes, we can, we can come to uh, at least some takeaways uh, for us to be able to, uh, to think about, to pray about, uh, and then to implement in our lives. So I'm going to head to a short break. When we return, we will have Isaiah McGee joining me. Stick around and we'll be right back. Thank you, construction professionals, for underwriting Man Up. Construction professionals have been long supporters of Iowa Catholic Radio, and we've seen their work firsthand. It's very impressive. They do remodeling or new construction that is innovative, functional, and designing what you want. cpcustomhomes.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the morning is provided by Five Sons Naturescapes. Five Sons Naturescapes is a Catholic veteran-owned family company providing premium outdoor landscaping. Clean up and restore outdoor living space with retaining walls, privacy fencing, pergolas, paver sidewalks, and patios. Issues with soil settling and water around the foundation and yard? Five Sons Naturescapes can grade and install drainage tile to help. Five Sons Naturescapes online at fivesonsnaturescapes.com. 
Support for Iowa Catholic Radio in Crisis the Answer with Father John Ricardo is provided by Confluence Brewing Company, a local brewery featuring seasonal and limited-release beers located off the bike trail south of Grace Lake and online at confluencebrewery.com. Confluence Brewing Company has growlers to go, apparel, and other gifts for family and friends. Confluence Brewing Company is available for curbside service and would like to thank you for your support. Thank you, Confluence Brewing Company, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. My Welcome back to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. I'm excited today to have Isaiah McGee with me, and we're going to be discussing oh, a lot of different things, but most importantly, just kind of race relations in America and what we can do to make it better. Isaiah, welcome to the show. Yes, thanks, Joe. Uh, so I'm excited to be here on the show. Uh, I uh, have a uh, strong kind of faith background that's important uh, to me. I, I grew up actually in Los Angeles. Uh, so I was going to ask, I knew you yeah. weren't from Iowa originally, but a Los yeah. Angeles guy. Yeah, I grew up in Los Angeles, went to, to uh, Catholic schools uh, growing up. Um, they were an important part of my, my faith journey nice. uh, as well, too. And so it really uh, helped require me to, to dive into kind of what my belief system is. And actually, even when I went to college, I came out to Iowa to go to, uh, to go to Cornell College. So that's what brought you here. That's so you were in L.A. Here. all the way through high school. In L.A. all the way through high school. How did you How did, uh, how did you find me, okay. actually? Uh, I, I played football and I wrestled, and uh, one of our coaches was a Cornell grad. You killed two birds with one stone. Only yeah. one scholarship could two. Okay. Yeah. Good, good, so, good. And so especially going to a small school, <laughs> um, uh, you're at I have the opportunity to do a lot of things, and mm-hmm. and uh, I, I took advantage of those things. So did you do them both? Do all, did you do them all? Uh, both? I did wrestling for two years, okay. and then I did football for all four. Well, wait, um, so I, surprisingly enough, I I wrestled at one sixty eight uh, when I was in college, which is tough that's to try a, to do that, a, and then also play, play, play football, football on the back yeah, end of that. Which is part of the reason why um, I stopped wrestling. The other part was I just wasn't very good. Yeah. Well, so the, the football coach is like, we need to beef him up. And the wrestling coach, we keep him skinny. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, I, so I stopped wrestling um, because I was actually uh, in a position to, to get a starting position in football. Okay. And I was not going to have that happen in wrestling. Okay. Uh, and so I used that opportunity to just gain weight and get bigger and go from there. But even when I was at, at Cornell, um, I was a history major. And uh, one of the major uh, uh, history influences professors uh, of mine college was a uh had a strong catholic belief and uh the courses that he taught were all about they're more almost like philosophy classes and so we took a lot of courses kind of looking at uh like saint augustine and saint thomas aquinas and kind of really diving into their uh their philosophical beliefs Hmm. and their arguments and i just loved it i ate it up awesome so um so it's very impactful in terms of uh how i entered into the uh, the public discourse. Um, I left from from there with a a degree in history and in political science. Um, decided after a year of doing case management work that I wanted to teach, um, and then came back to Iowa. I was in, Where'd I, you go back? I went to Colorado for a couple of years um, and did case management work okay. out there, and then I came back to Iowa. Went to Drake and got my master's degree in education. What, what brought uh, you back to Iowa? Did you want to, you liked uh, it or? Well, I was uh, I, I was. Uh, recently or, or newly married at the time okay. too and my um my, my wife at the time was from northeast iowa okay um and so it what was town? From, uh from uh manchester that's a beautiful area up yes. there once you go north yes. 20 huh? yeah, yeah yeah so um 
so yeah, Manchester yeah. and the Duke and Waterloo oh, and all those that's all right. those great places up there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so we uh, decided when we were deciding to have kids, we were like, well, do we stay in Colorado? Um, where now we're in between both mm-hmm. California and in Iowa and traveling back and forth, or do we want to settle in someplace where we can actually have a closer family connection? Um, and I love the opportunities and experiences I had in, in Iowa during my, my undergrad years. Uh, and so I was like, Hey, let's go ahead and come back and, and, uh, uh, settle in Des Moines where there was a little bit more, uh, more opportunity, but also more, uh, it was kind of the growth of the, the, what I call the Des Moines Renaissance. Yeah. And so, uh, you were all, in the forefront of it too, yes, right? When you got yeah. here too. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was. We had saw, when we lived in Colorado, we had saw a number of kind of growth things that were going there. We lived in the northern suburban areas of, of, of Denver. So we had saw all this kind of growth coming in. And so coming into Des Moines, just kind of driving around and things. And uh, I was like, wow, this reminds me a lot of those same things. I mean, at that time, it, it feels long, but it actually feels like yesterday. But I, I realized it was a long time ago now. This is when uh, the Jordan Creek Mall was just opening up, right. and and the Wells Fargo Arena was was just opening up, and they were just talking about the Western Gateway and the East Village, and like all these different types of things that were going on. Uh, so it was just an exciting yeah. time. So to see kind of where things are now, um, in in the city and in the state um, as well too, and to been blessed to be a part of that um, in different ways um, is is it's been a great opportunity. Yeah. So then you ended up getting. I know you went to Iowa State and got a doctorate, right? Uh, yeah, almost, almost finished with that. Oh, still, yeah. still, we're on. still slightly working What's on that? it here. Uh, it'll be an education policy. Okay. So, um, so part of it, after uh, I got my master's in, in teaching, I went in, into the classroom and, and started teaching. Um, and I taught for about six years: uh, history, government, economics. Um, at the same time, I was also getting involved in my local community, and I was getting involved in politics uh, that way and we, as well. We crossed paths a whole bunch randomly in business and politics and exactly. various, so, various things. And we were both out. Yeah. We'd run into each other randomly all the time. Yes. Like. And, so, so, and so those are, and those are, I mean, those are the fun experiences yeah. for me, doing the young professional yeah. stuff that yeah. I can't call myself a young no. professional yeah. anymore. It kind of hurts. Yeah, no. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so I was kind of going around doing those different types of things, and that's what actually led me to pursue my, my, my doctorate. I would find myself in these kind of philosophical conversations that mm-hmm. I learned from my undergrad. Um, and it's one thing to be able to have those conversations, but it's another thing to be able to have those with uh, a sound kind of, uh, with sound rhetoric mm-hmm. and, and uh, sound understanding and, and, and research uh, to, to back up the things that you're talking about, or even to pursue the answer. Sometimes yeah. it's uh, a question is, pre- is presented and to know how to go about trying to find the answer to that or the search for an answer to that um, is, is important to be able to do. So well, I think and to your last point there about having sound conversations and, and whatnot. So that's what, it's why I wanted to bring you on the show today. I so with everything that's blown up in the country in the last month or so. Yeah. It's what's frustrating me a lot is in the coverage of it. I, I'm usually seeing one side or the other. Yeah. And I listen to a lot of podcasts and I try to do as much reading as possible. So David French wrote a really good article. I don't know if you saw David mm-hmm. French wrote a really good article. Um, that's probably the best thing I've seen on it. Okay. Um, that kind of talked about both sides of the coin. And so like, I wanted to reach out to you and say, all right, I, I'll talk about my background. You talk about your background. And let's yeah. just, let's have these conversations about, you know, filling in those gaps. So I'll start with myself. You know, I see things through my lens. We all see things through our lens. And the Absolutely. lens that I, I see myself through is I grew up in, Upper, probably middle to upper middle class 
at North Davenport, Iowa, right? Mm-hmm. So Catholic school all the way through. Um, we had zero black people in my class in all of grade school. And then in high school, we had one or two. Mm-hmm. And I was friends with, oh, so we had two and I was friends with both of them, right? And still friends with one of them today. Um, and then in college, I went to Marquette Jesuit College. Yeah. And there's just, again, not a lot of black people. Yeah. So my experience was always one of like, I'm friends with everyone. Like they're yeah. all buddies of mine and there were no racist comments and everything was hunky dory. And, yeah. and the people I knew, it was the same thing, right? So like my grandparents weren't racist. My parents weren't racist. We, in fact, we openly talk about when things were happening, how sick this is and whatnot. And, um, so I just never like literally have not been exposed to it. And part of it is in Iowa. Yeah. I think, and this is where I really want to bring you on. Like, I don't see it either. I mean, I just, I'm completely yeah. oblivious to it. Maybe I yeah. don't know. And so when, when these things blow up on a national level, I sit here and I say, well, I don't, I see the 1960s. I like, I like history a lot. I wish yeah. I was a history major. I read a lot of history. Um, and so, you know, I was just reading the other day. I'm just reading some history stuff and the, the Emmett Till thing from the oh, 1950s. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. That's terrific. Right. Yeah. And thank God we're, we are past that. that, that kind of stuff, that level doesn't happen with regularity. With, like regular, way, with regularity, with regularity, it still happens, but it happens doesn't happen with regularity. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. but that was there were racist laws in the books and horrific stuff going on in the sixties. So I look at it and say, the laws themselves. We saw we saw major change in the sixty sevens and the, the actual law on how African Americans are covered under the laws of the mm-hmm. United States. And so again, I'm born in the eighties. I live in Iowa. I see. Everyone singing Kumbaya. Everything seems good to me on the surface. <laughs> so obviously you've got two interesting pieces to your background. One, I have a couple of questions for you on this. Yeah. Let's talk about my, my grandparents came over in the, we immigrated here in, let's call it the late 18s, early 19s, depending on which side of the family, right? Um, and so we've all been basically with some Texas and some Iowa, mostly Texas yeah. and Iowa, and it's all been kind of normal. And where did they immigrate from? Uh, Greece, Ireland, Germany. Okay. So I'm basically a thoroughbred on all those things to the various places they went. Um, and again, like we were all taught from a young age, like racism is bad and all that. Yeah. It's like, I'm curious, your upbringing, yep. the, so I'm going to ask you five questions at once and I'll just let you talk. Go for but, it. But um, your ancestors, whoever came here, yep. what that looks like, how they were treated, and then California, what it looked like for you, and then yep. here in Iowa. So go. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, you, I mean, you bring up an interesting point, and, and this is this is where the story begins. So I know a lot of time people um, will say, you know, well, I, I, I know slavery is bad, but, like, that was so long ago, you know, why can't we just get over slavery? Well, part of that is you're able to describe with, with uh, pretty close accuracy uh, how your family immigrated to the United States. For, for descendants of enslaved people— uh, African-Americans, uh, black people, uh, that is often very difficult for us to, to know that history. That history was, was, was stripped away. You know? So uh, there, is, there are some records, but not necessarily a, a complete records about where families came from. So part of it is uh, I know with some, uh, some degree um, where uh, my family immigrated from, or not even, excuse me, where our family was brought over as slaves, um, uh, from the western part of Africa. Uh, however, uh, trying to pinpoint the specifics of what families they were and 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 where where they lived and things like that, it's very difficult, especially because a lot of uh, black families 
when they were enslaved, uh, they were stripped from their families. And so they were, they were, uh, when, when babies were born, they were taken away uh, from their mothers. They were uh, then sold to other people. Um, many of the women were, uh, were assaulted, were, were, were raped by their masters. That's why you don't get the, the, the uh, shade of melanin um, and color that you, that you see within, uh, within black people as well, too. And so uh, that's very difficult to uh, sometimes know that history. Matter of fact, even the last names themselves, uh, oftentimes with last names, they come from, uh, they come from the, own, the slave owners. Um, and those were just kind of carried from uh, to those black slaves when they left from the from the plantation. So your lineage is slavery in America. Yeah, most of it is. Most really? of it, yes. Uh, you can trace it back in the whole nine yards uh, to a degree, uh, to a, to a short degree. That's that's about it. So I don't know the the specific details yeah. of of where, but but uh, yes, we know that much. Okay. Um, I also have uh, uh, Guatemalan heritage as well too, okay. and so my grandmother um, I came over as an immigrant from from Guatemala. So let's talk about either, now your grandparents, people you could have conversations with. And I had conversations with my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we didn't talk that much about race in general. It wasn't a topic of conversation in Davenport, Iowa very much, <laughs> which is, a, I mean, it's a good thing. And we just didn't have, again, we, there were no problems that we saw. Um, and so the conversations you had with your parents and grandparents about it, I'm assuming you had some, mm-hmm. uh, how they were treated and, and things like that. Well, how did that go? So for... It's almost the same thing, right? So for for me, my my grandparents, uh, uh, they immigrated from or they they came to California from from Louisiana. So my grandparents uh, came from uh, Louisiana. My grandmother immigrated from Guatemala to Louisiana. She met my grandfather uh, there. This is on my mother's side, uh, and uh, they came to to California. So uh, when you think about the the migration of of African Americans for most of us, uh, for most of uh, the population, they were looking for 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 work, looking for jobs, and that's why you get uh, such a huge community in Chicago and Detroit because that's they were going to go work in the factories and manufacturing out there, and the same thing for for California. Um, and so, uh, same thing with my father's side. My father's side also came from uh, from Texas and Mississippi and uh, Louisiana uh, to California. So uh, kind of fast forward uh, for me growing up, th- that was all I knew. Even going to, I went to private schools uh, all my life, uh, but up until I was 16, even those private schools were, the vast majority of them were were black. Uh, uh, I think there may have been maybe one or two uh, so we had inverse we had schools. inverse relationships yes. of our okay yeah okay. so that was that was the 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 highlight of my experience and so but even in that Joe one of the things that was interesting to me is and this is part of the conversation is you talk about this is something that you don't you don't see even though that was my world where most of the folks I went to school with uh, and I went to one of the largest churches in Los Angeles um, when it was kind of growing into one of the largest churches in Los Angeles um, and even there the majority of people were were black and so um but even in that context even surrounded by that as my community it was still very present that we lived in a world where we were the minority mm-hmm. so even though my my community itself was the majority uh the context of how to navigate through a white space um was was the reality 
And so that became more clear to me, actually, when I, I transferred high schools um, between my sophomore and junior year. Um, and I wanted to go to school. I had a wrestling program, actually. Um, and uh, I went there, and it was, this was the first time two, two Catholic schools, two great Catholic schools, I had some, both had great football programs. Uh, excuse me, one had a good football program. The other one didn't. No one's uh, listening. <laughs> yeah, no one's listening from those high schools. And, uh, uh, and uh, the other school had a bus that um, went by my house, and I was like, I think I want to go there. And I went there, not necessarily knowing that the demographics were going to be that's different. But when I got there, it opened my eyes um, in terms of just felt like there were more opportunities there. It felt like there were um, more uh, more experiences. Did the, uh, the race demographic shift? Yes. The, yeah, the race demographic shift um, existed and the opportunities expanded. Okay. Um, and so that was... You know, that was the first kind of aha moment for me. And then, you know, I decided I, I ended up coming out to Iowa for, for college. Um, and out of all places, I, you know, I choose, I just thought, oh, you know, I knew Iowa was white. <laughs> but You went to Cornell. Yeah. Uh, and even all my friends were like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to go? I mean, you realize, like, you know, we were looking at the brochures and we're seeing the people in the brochures. And I was like, <laughs> see, you know, one person who's, who's, who's black. Uh, and they happen to be both on the football oh, yeah, field oh, yeah, oh, yeah. and in the stands at the same time. Like, <laughs> I, would, I worked in college admissions in Marquette. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's how this worked. Anyway. Well, and then it was, you know, it was funny that I get there and I, and I become that person. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I'm the, I'm the one that's in all the, all the brochures and the magazines and everything. But, um, but it was, and that was the, the real eye opener for me was to, uh, you know, I was now around people who they told me, you know, I'm, you're the first black person I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now we're having some, some real conversations and most of the people, you know, treated me fine and fairly. Some folks didn't. Um, and some folks, uh, said and did things that were just based off of a, a lack of experience, uh, some ignorance, mm-hmm. um, and, and lack of exposure. And so it was a learning environment for, for all of us, but it was more so, uh, I didn't say more so the, the burden was more on me, uh, because in their spaces, when you think about the way systems work and you think about the way rules work, uh, the rules were just the way they were, uh, and the rules are made by, by the majority of people. And so if you, if the people who are making the rules all have a similar experience, those of us who have a different experience sometimes don't see uh, our experiences reflected in those rules. I say when I go through trainings and things like all the, uh, all the time around, around the country, uh, one of the things I say all the time is that our perspectives are birthed from our experiences. So the way that we see the world comes from the way that we experience yeah. the world. And so if, if the people who are making the rules, whether they're codified rules, specific rules that we can see written down on paper or just practices that we all kind of do, uh, those things are made based off of the collective experiences of, of, of people who, sh- who share a commonality. What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, 
It's for the kids and their future. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. Information about Pharmatan and other products at ImogeneIngredients.com. Paul and Paul are members of St. Augustine's Knights of Columbus and encourage their brother knights to keep standing for their faith. Welcome back to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. My thanks again to Isaiah McGee for joining me for that conversation. Again, we will have uh, the parts two and three in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so please tune in again. Uh, again, the conversation just continues uh, and continues to get better throughout. So please join me again next week. I have to talk about the saint of the day today, St. Thomas More. St. Thomas More, one of the just great saints and one of those ones that is so relatable to us uh, today. He was uh, born in 1478, died in 1535. If you have not seen A Man for All Seasons, it's a play, but it was turned into a really great movie. Uh, a Man for All Seasons uh, shows his life uh, and the struggles that he went with uh, to stand up for the faith. And the reason I say he is relatable is because uh, he's just a hardworking guy who stood up for the faith um, and was persecuted for the faith all the way to death. Um, so he's not relatable in the fact that he's a brilliant mind. Uh, the guy was a really good, really great lawyer uh, and worked his way up the king's court to the point where uh, he was Lord Chancellor uh, and was one of the oh, I mean, one of King Henry's favorite people. Uh, but then, when the king wanted an annulment from his wife uh, to be signed by Moore, he refused to do it, uh, saying he didn't have uh, the reasoning to leave his wife. And that was, up until that point, he was the favorite person of the king, uh, but stood up for his Catholic beliefs. uh, And in doing so, ends up giving his life, um, standing up for that and other uh, other things that were important to him in the faith. Uh, Just an unbelievable man of faith uh, and stood up for his convictions, even in the faith of, of persecution and ultimately death. So if you have not seen A Man for All Seasons, Go out, rent it, find it on wherever you watch movies. Hopefully you can see it. It was, it was a very uh, well-done movie. I think it won some awards, actually. Um, but make sure you go out and see that. Uh, it be well worth your time. Uh, again, next week will be part two of the conversation on race in America with Isaiah McGee. So please join me again next week. I am Joe Stopulus. Thank you for joining us. On Iowa Catholic Radio, it's time to man up. Man up, inspiring men to live out their call to holiness with Joe Stopulus. Heard Mondays at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Brought to you by Construction Professionals.